Welcome back to the Wikipedia podcast. Wikipedia podcast is brought to you by Enemies Within the Church. You can go to enemieswithinthechurch.com right now to, well, view the film if you haven't seen it already, uh, the film that birthed Wikipedia. but you can also click on the Wikipedia button to read content we have, including a profile on Moody. And when we say Moody, it's not just Moody Bible Institute, it's the whole Moody ecosystem. So Moody Publishers, Moody Radio. Uh, we didn't actually talk about Moody Aviation, but that that's a thing. Uh, the only reason I know about that is because I'm actually not super far from Moody Aviation. Uh, fun fact. But let's jump back in. We're back here with Jordan, uh, Jordan Smith. And how, how are you doing? I'm doing wonderful, sir. I am still not woke. Well, that is good to hear. And we're, we're, we had a great discussion. And frankly, it was a phenomenal discussion. So if you want to hear us discussing, really just diving into all the concepts that are being presented, go listen, go watch part one. This part, we're going to try and focus a little bit more on just stacking, stacking a good amount of quotes that really show off the wokeness. And I think these quotes will be a lot more overt. Now, we talked about a lot of overt stuff in the first part, but I think this will be a lot more overt uh, and easy to see without as much commentary. So, Jordan, uh, where should we start off in looking at, at, at these different things that kind of show off the, the wokeness uh, of Moody? Well... I think that an organization is largely defined by its leadership. Hmm. And so I think that it would behoove us to look at a couple of quotes by the president of Moody Bible Institute, Mark Joby, and see what he has to say on the subject. Which you said something there that makes me, I didn't say it out loud, but it now makes me feel embarrassed. I assumed the name was Mark Job. Oh. <laughs> uh, now I know. I'm glad you said that before I said it out loud. Uh, it, it might. It might be. I'm. I'm actually. Uh, I'm actually basing that off of the pronunciation of Carrie Joby. So, could I could be wrong? You're right, though. Oh, okay. So I'm going to have to go clarify that. Uh, one of us is going to be wrong. But let's continue on uh, this first quote. I'll go ahead and read it. On top of this, several incidents, including images of 46-year-old George Floyd with a knee on his neck, gasping for breath and begging for his life, have left many, including myself, deeply disturbed and wanting justice. Now, for context's sake, and it... it adds a lot to this quote. When was this released? This is part of his response to the George Floyd incident. How soon after that incident was this released? Yeah, that you can get a sense that that this is in response to that. So that this is um, in reaction to in the days following the George Floyd incident, every everyone in their mom was talking about it and every church Every big 
you know, mega church had had to say something about the subject. And so this was the, the response that Moody Bible Institute saw fit to give after the video came out with George Floyd, the knee on his neck, um, without the full context, without the full story that we know now that he was saying, I can't breathe before the video started, that he had enough fentanyl in his system to kill a small horse, that we don't really know what the cause of death was, that the jury was prejudiced by um, by Joe Biden saying that they should find him guilty and Maxine Waters um, pr- pressuring, pr- putting outside pressure on the jurors that that That's whole situation a, was an absolute ridiculous mess. Yeah. And w- so, what frustrates me about that is uh, uh, the police officer, why well, cannot remember his name off Chauvin? It's, uh, is it Derek? Yeah, it's Derek yeah, Chauvin. The dude seemed like he was pretty jaded and probably in need of some retraining. What f- is so frustrating? is that no reform can possibly take place in that department now because rather than taking someone who may have reached that, that, you know, it happens. It's, you might've heard this term compassion fatigue, whether you're in first responder in the uh, medical profession in anywhere where you're dealing with a lot of very heavy stuff over time, people get jaded and they need refreshers. He does honestly seem like even in the situation, he seemed like he was jaded. He was probably being excessive. But that's the frustrating thing is they can see something like that and they can go, ah, oh, look at this. He didn't handle this textbook perfectly. Therefore, systemic racism. But now instead, the dude is in jail and no meaningful improvement I almost said reform. I think I said reform earlier. It's not improve. It's not reform. All they need is, is any department. It's continual improvement. And I say all this to point out what they're doing is not improving the situations. What they're doing is making it worse. <laughs> yeah. I could go on a rant. I almost did because there's examples of how <laughs> yeah. how policing is actually getting worse because of all this nonsense rather than better, which every, again, every with law enforcement in my family, it infuriates me, infuriates me. Every time I hear a story like this, it, it, it just brings to mind Exodus 23. You shall not spread a false report. You shall not uh, side with the many so as to pervert justice. Yeah. It's every time one of these false stories comes out. Yeah. And perverting justice doesn't just mean innocent man goes free, guilty man, or sorry, guilty man goes free, innocent man goes to jail. Perverting justice is a lot more complicated than that. It breaks the entire ecosystem of justice. Yeah. It makes yeah, it, yeah it, anyway, anyway, we're getting way down a rabbit trail that we basically said we weren't going to go yeah, just, down. Just one, just one thing I wanted to say real quick. The, the, just based on this one incident, we had $2 billion of property damage and 25 <laughs> dead bodies. So that that's what I'm talking about when I say perverted justice. I agree that, yes. that Chauvin went overboard. I, I agree that it wasn't the best thing. Um, but uh, 
But, you know, look up Tony Timpa and, and, and see that, that the same thing happened to a white man, but, um, but it didn't cause any um, billions of dollars in property damage. Mm-hmm. It's unequal weights and measures. It's taking something where someone might have still even been in the very likely still within the realm of uh, correct procedure, but just on the more overtly forceful end. That's all I'm saying is is he was just a guy who's more jaded and was like, okay, let's just be, you know, let's just be more direct and more rough. And all that takes is, hey, we can we can handle situations in other ways. But that situation didn't there was no good outcome. Gosh, there was no good outcome. The du- well. the dude. Okay, I'm, in fact, I'm actually gonna I'm gonna stop there. I'm probably gonna take out a little bit of this because we've gone way too off track. It just frustrates me because it perverts justice because no one wins, everyone loses. Yeah, there's an there's a man that's not a murderer who's in jail. There's a man who, you know, there's 25 people or more who are dead as a result of this. Billions of dollars in damage, more lives lost. Uh, not lost in the sense of dead, but, you know, destroyed. Once From a situation where the, the, the real reaction was, okay, die, guy probably died of a drug overdose, but officer probably needs to just have some very basic, uh, you know, we just need to check up on him to make sure he's not just getting jaded and burnt out by day after day seeing evil. That's it. Yeah. Anyway, so let, let's continue. So Moody leadership is obviously they were addressing it and they're trying to address it fast. They're trying to address it from a certain angle and they're trying to address it before any of the dust had settled. So I, I, there's some other quotes here from Moody leadership. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and read uh, these two quotes back to back, and then we'll kind of quickly comment on them. But I want to acknowledge the deep, deep pain that exists because of the long-standing prejudice and bigotry against our African-American communities. So immediately they're assuming that the the George Floyd incident was racially motivated, which mm-hmm. even in the the conviction of the officer, that wasn't a factor. Mm-hmm. Here at Moody, this pain is especially felt among our African-American faculty and staff, as well as other people of color. So if your skin is anything other than um, this pale nonsense that I have, uh, <laughs> seriously, I can't even go outside. But <laughs> yeah, you, you you're automatically state. oppressed and you're a part of this like monolithic color group uh this crisis came to a head when we saw the images of george floyd a 46 year old man who was arrested thrown to the ground and handcuffed a knee placed on his neck he cried out while gasping for air and his pleas were ignored again they're painting quite the narrative let's just read more don't be quick to judge people (laughs) 
don't, I, I, I can't get through it with a straight face because that's exactly what they're doing. But don't be quick to judge people's experience. Uh, this is a time to listen, to empathize, to acknowledge people's stories and their pain. It's easy from the outside. If you've never lived through it, to excuse or explain away people's pain. Instead, we need to listen to our African-American brothers and sisters who are expressing grief and pain and deep hurt. This is time for everyone to listen. Don't dismiss legitimate peaceful protests. The protests started out with legitimate concerns and many peaceful protesters. Unfortunately, these were sabotaged by looting and vandalism and violence that has hurt the communities that were already suffering and struggling. But the, <laughs> the, the organizers were encouraging and calling for this. <laughs> Just yesterday, two blocks from the church that I pastor, looters broke windows and took advantage of the chaos. But the message of the protesters needs to be heard. What message? You know that like things like white silence is white violence, uh, that it, retaliation is needed, that yada, yada, yada. Don't dismiss this message because of the violence occurring in our country and in our communities. Do we have enough time? No. Again, this was um, <laughs> immediately after... The incident. This is this is days in. Do we have time to discuss the amount of uh, assumptions that exist in this statement? And again, putting it in the context of just just right after. This is not like months later. This is not. You know, this is exactly what they're saying. Don't be quick to judge. They're being extremely quick to judge every detail of this. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So. The two things, since we don't have time to get into everything, two quick things. Number one, we have standpoint epistemology. Once again here, we have that when it says don't be quick to judge people's experiences, experience is the key word there because it, it might as well say lived experience because, because what he's talking about is he specifically says that it's the black people in in your churches that are feeling this pain that you need to listen to them and so that is standpoint epistemology is that people who are of these oppressed intersectional groups like black americans have this special access to knowledge of their oppression their lived experience of their oppression that white people don't have access to so we have to sit sit down shut up listen and believe their story. So if they they say they feel oppressed by George Floyd, who they've never met, who they don't have any any connection with, other than they both have similar levels of melanin. If they say that they are deeply, deeply, deeply grieved by this um, um, death, it, it is a tragic thing. But let's be honest, we are not we, we don't know this guy. So it's not the same as if it was like our own family member. Yeah. And so. Um, but but if they say they're deeply 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 grieved, well, we just got to mourn with those who mourn. We can't we can't ever bring objective truth to that because objective truth cannot be accessed. Only Black Americans have that lived experience that we don't have access to. So we have to just kind of listen. 
So that's that's yeah. one thing. Yeah, they're they're relying on non-biblical principles, and that that's something that you're going to see as we continue on through this. Um, it, it's a knee-jerk reaction response. It's a response rooted in uh, woke ideologies. It's a response pandering to specific people. And it's a response that doesn't help. Doesn't help. Doesn't help anything. It doesn't help the people it claims to help. Uh, it's not rooted in truth. It's not rooted in a seeking to find truth. And frankly, to, to mourn with someone who mourns doesn't mean that you just, you, it, it, it's not about agreeing with them. Love and I'm not saying not you go agree, well, you go mourn with someone. Yeah, you, it's got to be rooted in truth. So if you find someone that's mourning, and they're mourning over something that isn't true, or they're mourning about something that they don't actually have a connection to, you're not supposed to leave them there in their ignorance. The, the most caring thing you can do, the most loving thing you can do, the most sympathizing thing you can do is to correct them. Again, there's a loving way to do that. There's a process to do that. You got to know the situation. You got to know where the person is at, what your responsibility to them is. But we're not supposed to, by the logic they laid out, we should be going and mourning with Satan. <laughs> I'm just, I'm just saying, because that really is, you'd have to go. I mean, if you follow their logic. Yeah. Why not go mourn with Hitler? <laughs> it was pretty sad during the end. Why not there. go? Why not go mourn with a a, a legitimate actual neo Nazi? Why not go yeah, mourn or, with them? They're upset about something. Going, kind of going along with their with their narrative that it has to be a non white person. Why not Fidel Castro? You know, they go, they go might actually sympathize with Fidel Castro. But, <laughs> no, <see>? but but <laughs> no, that's the thing. It's they're, they're make there's an assumption under there. It's not just you mourn with anybody. It's specific groups are oppressed. And therefore, we have to, you know, we have to sympathize with their oppression. Uh, it, it really strikes at the, again, the heart of everything we talk about on here. But let, let's continue on. Now... We're going to, we have another quote, an audio, audio clip, I should say. Uh, we're not going to play that here. We will include that. And we might even have include that as a discussion, but for the sake of just getting you the information, because we had such a, a, a nice time of discussion in the last episode, we're going to continue on. So let's move on to another quote. This one comes from... Woke Church by Eric Mason. Now, why are you bringing this up? If you listened to the last episode, Eric Mason is a published author by Moody Publishing. Woke Church was published by Moody Publishing. He is featured uh, on Moody Radio, on multiple different programs. He's been a speaker at Moody Bible Institute. Uh, as well as part of videos from Moody Publishing. So he's very much integrated into the system. So what is it that they, they are so willing to promote a man over? Let's read this quote. We understand that family history has a deep impact 
on the life of a person. But it blows my mind that in American Christianity today, we behave as though our familial past has nothing to do with our present. And it's disturbing how dismissive my evangelical brethren can be towards the past and its impact on where we are today with respect to race in this country and in our church. It grieves me that there is such an unwillingness to go there. Nehemiah 1.6 helps to understand the impact of sin from one generation to the next. Let your eyes be open and your ears be attentive to hear your servant's prayer that I now pray to you day and night for your servants, the Israelites. I confess the sins we have committed against you. Both I and my fathers have sinned. We can no longer afford to remain asleep to what has happened and what continues to happen. The woke church must understand its history. Okay, so there's, there's multiple things going on there, Jordan, but what's kind of the the thrust he's getting at? He's trying to push one idea in particular there, and does the verse he used support that idea? Yeah, no. So... <laughs> <laughs> so our man Eric Mason, um, the uh, the uh, uh, what, what does he say? Uh, whiteness causes blindness of heart. Um, uh, that's my that's my Eric Mason impression. Um, so anyway, um, so yeah, here he he does he does a a common woke trick, which is to say white. People did bad things to people in the to uh, white people did bad things to non-white people in the past. Therefore, you must repent for what they did in the past. Um, and so he uses Nehemiah one six out of context that both I the the key phrase there is it says both I and my father's family have sinned. And what what Eric Mason's saying you should do is repent on behalf of your father because you kind of have that sin, that, that sinful racism um, in your bones uh, from your father and you need to repent of that. Um, and, you know, it's just totally, um, that's just totally unbiblical. You know, Ezekiel 18 says that uh, man shall not die for the sins of his father and the, and the son shall not die for the sins uh, the father shall not die for the sins of the son, but each person shall be responsible for their own sin. Yep. Yeah. Well, and that, that's the ridiculous thing of it. That what you brought up is an explicit verse that contradicts what he's pushing. The idea of systemic guilt, of generational guilt, of um, guilt by essentially guilt by proxy, but even more than that, guilt by simply being a part of this, this sociological group. Uh, but he uses a, a verse that's not clear to the point he wants to make. It's not clear. You'd have to first prove that Nehemiah is not including himself as an overt sinner. Because right there, I and my father's family have sinned. Mm -hmm. Well, the, the immediate reading of that is that the individuals have sinned. Mm -hmm. Not that he is repenting of this you know, the systemic guilt of his family that he doesn't act, he didn't actually participate in. He has to prove that. But again, 
you already brought up a verse that destroys the idea that that he was getting at. Now, let let's jump down. Again, we're just we're just going through it really quick, but let's jump down to the next one. Um which is actually uh from Eric Mason's mentor, Tony Evans, who's another moody published author. Uh just to help build up a case of yeah, they're they're okay with these kind of things. So this comes from his Kingdom Race Theology, which is often pushed as a sort of uh, middle ground between CRT and biblical Christianity. And for some reason, that may, then makes it positive. But l- let's see what he actually says. In it. Here's a couple quotes. While an individual today may not be personally racist, they can contribute to the racist structures by supporting the inequitable systems still in place or by denying that they exist. Okay, so for anyone that, that's pushed Tony Evans and his kingdom race theology as not critical race theory, I hope you can already see that it's that's off base. Another quote, if you are a non-racist yourself, but do not actively oppose racism, willing to speak or work against racism and racist systems where they show up, you are failing to fulfill the whole letter of the law of love romans 13 8 so give me the give me the lowdown on this one yeah so this is just textbook critical race theory you hear um richard delgado say the same thing in in the critical race theory um textbook the seminal textbook and you hear robin d'angelo say the same thing in white fragility it's the idea that you can have racism without individual racists. It's just keeping this capitalist meritocracy system in place is itself white. And therefore, since whiteness is bad, it's racist. Um, and so you, you hear the, the anti-white bias in what he's saying, this anti-white racism in what he's saying. And, and, he, and he says that if you fail to acknowledge that the system is racist, you are failing to live up to Romans 13, 8, the, the law of love. He is teaching his doctrines of God, the commands of men, once again. Yeah, and again, it, it's ridiculous. It's pushing the idea of systemic guilt, but you have to prove that systemic guilt is a biblical concept, and unfortunately, you can't find it. Again, we already brought up one verse that overtly destroys it, but throughout the Bible— man is held responsible for his own sin, not the sins of others. At the end of the age, it's not going to be our class, our race, our whatever artificial division that Marxists have come up with that are going to be standing before Christ. It's going to be individuals. And the individuals are going to be judged not based on the sins of racism, the sins of class oppression, of economic oppression, of, you know, all these unjust, quote, injustices, um, they're going to be judged by the relationship to Christ. Did you repent? You're all sinners, every single one of you. You're all the oppressors, the oppressors of the all-holy, all-righteous, perfectly innocent God. Amen. Did you repent of that? that you are individually a part of. 
It. So they're not, one, they're not proving that, but two, they're relying on it to then commit you to a system. And Moody, as as we've seen in both these episodes, Moody's pushing that system. So let's let's go over another quote. This comes from um, the New Reformation uh, by Shia Lin. Let's let's read this quote. In the most profound way imaginable, the Christian who says "we" means something entirely different post-conversion than she did when she said it before coming to the Lord. The old we was limited to our family members, our nationality, our ethnicity, our subcultural group, our political party, our gender, our alma mater, our co-workers, our fellow sports fans, etc. But in Christ, there's a new we that supersedes every previous group we once identified with. Honestly, so far, it's not sounding bad. Mm-hmm. And this new we is diverse, extraordinarily diverse. The new we is black and white, male and female, youthful and elderly, Republican and Democrat, metropolitan and rural. It's scholarly and it lacks formal education. It's blue collar and it's white collar. It's upper class and it's lower class. It's international. It's multilingual. It's multicolored. It's blood bought and it's generous. This is the new we. Mm. Now, obviously there's a... uh, well, I almost said there's an elephant in the room, but I should say there's a donkey in the room. Uh, <laughs> but but the quote the quote itself. Let's talk about the quote kind of just in its totality first, and then and talk about that. But again, it, it starts out. It sounds kind of good, right? But is he really? It seems like he builds up the unity in Christ, but then he does more than just acknowledge that there's still. You know, there's still men and women. We don't suddenly become disgendered when we come to Christ. There's still these these physical differences. But do you think it's inappropriate of me to say that he's going beyond that and then he's reestablishing the divisions based on those things? Mm. In what way would you say that? Well, obviously the woke... They say we are one in Christ yet. Well, it's exactly what um, um, the last episode, uh, Hyungju Kim said, where she, mm. she said the quiet part out loud. Yeah. Uh, that the identity, and that's that's what mm. I'm getting at. He yeah. seems to reestablish the idea that, that part of our identity, despite being in Christ, we still have a certain identity connected to that can never be removed from these certain physical characteristics about us. I'm not yeah. saying it's super overt here, but he's he's allowing it to kind of come back to a degree that I see as problematic. And why I bring that up is because I think it really goes into the donkey in the room. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I thought this, this quote was the perfect quote to wrap up on because it, it really exposes kind of the, I know he probably didn't intend this, but like it exposes the, the part of the intent behind this whole woke project, which is to get Christians in the pews to the left voting Democrat. And um, one way to do that is 
to make the conservative think that that voting Democrat is a morally permissible option and Mm -hmm. making uh, people who are sort of in the middle to think that voting Democrat is good. It's a better thing than than to be Republican. And so um, just to be clear, you know, I know the refutation is always, oh, but Republicans are bad, too. Yes, there are bad Republicans. But if you look at the Republican Party platform compared to the Democrat Party platform, it is closer to scripture. And we look at the Democrat Party platform. It has abortion all nine months. It has transgender surgery for kids. It has um, racial hatred. It has it has socialism. It yes. has, I mean, it's just a Maoist takeover of everything that America stands for. And it's 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 there is not a good reason to vote for them. And if, and if a person understands the issues and votes for them, it's sinful. I think it could be grounds for church discipline if if a person doesn't repent. And so I think that it's it's really important to point that out because a lot of the woke are are doing this whole woke project to kind of make it morally okay to be on the political left while yeah. being a Christian. Yeah, and that again, that's why why I I wanted to bring up the idea of identity first that he's kind of there's still these certain identities that we had previously that we sh- it's good to hold on to. Because I think he's he's framing these other things and then slipping in the idea that you know of Democrat that you can you can as a Christian you can still be a Democrat because this is sort of an, an identity or at least he's connecting it to other identities that you in his mind you can't get rid of and it's true you can't get rid of them but your identity fully is in Christ. And, well, so as we're recording this, it's in the wake of the Nashville shooting, which is a shocking example of wokeness in action, largely in the response to it. They're, they're being consistent. They're now being very consistent with their ideologies. Uh, and the, the Democrat platform has imbibed that fully. Mm-hmm. It's not necessarily, you know, the individual, the the woman, uh, not a man, the woman that committed that crime, that killed six people, is fully responsible. She is responsible. But there's an ideology behind her. And there's a political party that is backing up that ideology that is defending, because of that ideology, is defending the shooter to one degree or another. So, yeah, as a Christian, we need to be careful. We need to examine every political candidate. And the Republican Party is infested with wicked people. So you do need to be careful. You need to ask questions of every candidate. You need to investigate them really know that that the person you're voting for is truly actually sound but you cannot do the same thing with the democrat platform the party itself is is promoting evil in a disturbing way but again to to go back to the nashville shooting why why it's really problematic a lot of things are saying over here about race is just the application of critical theory of cultural marxism to race critical race theory, 
it's really easy for us to see how wicked it is when it's applied to transgenderism, queer theory. But it's the same ideology. It's the exact same ideology. It's just being applied to different concepts. So if you're going to condemn queer theory, if you're going to condemn the LGBT movement, you have to be consistent. You have to look at the thing. Again, look at all these things that, that Moody are saying. And now, this is probably a good way to, to, to finish this. Jordan, what should we think of Moody? We've shown issues going on in Moody. And again, if you want more, go read the article. But we've shown issues at Moody. We've explained them. We've talked about it. But what should we think of Moody? And what are we saying about Moody? Yeah, absolutely. And uh, just just wanted to thanks again for having me on, brother. And uh, make sure you like and subscribe if you enjoyed the content. <laughs> um, and uh, but um, I think we should we should recognize that Moody is going towards this leftist um, revolution of our culture that's co- contrary to everything that's in Scripture, contrary to everything that America was based on. That we have this free and beautiful and prosperous country. And um, at the same time, we also have to recognize that not every um, thing that Moody teaches is wrong. Not everything, not everything's heretical. Um, they have a lot of sound teachings that come out of there and a, a lot of sound teachers, despite what they teach. I had a pastor that, that I was um, sitting under for a long time who exegeted the scriptures well, and he was not woke. And so it's possible to come out of that system and not be swayed by, by all of these things. Um, but just like in any system that's riddled with false doctrine, if anybody comes out of that not, not affected by the false doctrine, it's in spite of the false doctrine. It's not because of it. Yeah. Yeah, and that's the important thing. I think a lot of people think that when we point out something, we're just doing this blanket condemnation, you know, it's carpet bombing. That's not what we're doing. You know, a big part of what we're doing is to document what's going on, but it's also to call for repentance. So that's what we really hope for with this. And you know what? God bless you. And until next time, if you have questions about this, I should probably say, if you have questions about this, contact us, contact Wikipedia at gmail.com. But Jordan, thank you for being with us. And remember, everyone, don't go woke.